Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the PBC podcast. Steve Moore and Mark Castleman here. It's great to be with you guys this week. We hope you enjoyed last week's episode of a rebroadcast from something we'd done prior. That's the first time we've ever done that on the podcast. Appreciate Mark putting that together. I was like deathly ill with the plague. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're happy to be back with you guys this week. And and uh, I have a voice again, so life is good. Um, we have a, our uh, podcast today is coming from a listener in response to a listener. I wrote us back on March 27th, so about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. We've got a little bit of a backlog going on here. And this is what he says, and we're going to jump right into it afterwards because this is a, it's a great topic. It's a little complicated, but it is an important one for everybody to hear because at some point in time, I think, you know, as Mark and I were talking about it, this discussion comes up for virtually every guy that Mark and I work with as we if we work with them long enough. So uh, I'll read this off and we'll we'll jump in. Hello, I'm an addict in recovery. I'm in I'm in a good, solid recovery place. I listen to multiple podcasts a day. I go to therapy once a week, and I'm working on an empathy workbook in my free time and trying really hard. So he's doing a lot of good stuff, right? Um, I've been free from porn for 60 days. Since D-Day, I had one slip up about 25 days in where I was watching YouTube videos that I shouldn't, shouldn't have been watching. My wife found this out on her own. We're going to come back to that. And this is after we have been really starting to get intimate and recover together. Since that day, I haven't acted out in any way. I'm really struggling with weird symptoms of random ED or erectile dysfunction with my wife, which makes her question why my recovery. But I don't have an explanation for this. When this happens, I overreact and get mad and depressed. Uh, So then it makes it seem even more likely that I'm acting out because he's getting defensive. But I am not. I don't know what to do in this situation. How am I in good recovery and this is happening? Why can't I be vulnerable in those situations and try to work through them with my wife? Why is this happening? Mm. Great question or series yeah. of questions. Yeah. That's a really good question. We're going to dive into this thing. Yeah. And I think the big thing about this is we want to just say to everybody listening, this is a very normal, common situation. 
Sure. Struggles with erectile dysfunction. Uh, it comes up all the time. And it uh, especially can start to manifest in recovery. And we're going to talk about that uh, today, about why that happens. And it happens for for I would most men, and I would say for a fair number of partners also. Mm. I often think of erectile dysfunction just in you know the sense of the the guy, but there's also you know quote I don't particularly like this terminology, but I'm going to say it because everyone's familiar with it. There are quote performance issues that don't just affect the man, but also affect the woman. Sure. And again, I don't, I don't particularly like that, that, uh, that word performance. I think that the, actually the very use of that term is part of why we said to have such a big problem with this in the first place. Yeah. Agreed. Performance that people have got to show up for and, you know, do, do certain things certain ways, but yeah, both men and women, but yeah. So let's, uh, let's, let's kind of hone in on this erectile dysfunction issue for this guy and what some of this might be about. Yeah, no, I, I and, and like Mark said, I mean, this is something that we run into all the time. And part of it, you, there are multiple reasons why this oftentimes happens. And it gets complicated in recovery, uh, this this issue, because, you know, I, I would say just on the whole, generally speaking, the, the you know, the age range that uh, of men that Mark and I tend to work with, unfortunately, kind of lines up biologically with where a lot of these issues from a biological standpoint begin to take place. You know, erectile dysfunction is becomes increasingly common for men beginning at around the age of 35 or 40 and becomes more progressive and common as age increases. And that correlates fairly closely with, again, a vast majority of the male population that Mark and I work with. And I can throw myself kind of into this mix because ED is something that I have to deal with and 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 work work through and have for the last several years. When I was getting into early recovery, I'm eight and a half years sober. Um and when I was getting into early recovery, the reality was is that I had never in my life had a true full understanding of what, quote unquote, completely healthy sex is. I'd probably had elements of it, right? Times where sex had been healthy and connecting and whatever. But as far as, you know, the the men or the uh, the physical side of things go, I, I'd always been compulsively acting out with addiction, you know, ever since I was in my early teens. Um my sexual libido was all skiwampus and my arousal template, which we're going to get into more here in just a little bit. And essentially what turns me on versus not was all awry as well. And, and so in addition to my views about sex and what it was, I mean, there's just a whole list of things that were going on. And for me, and like, again, for many of you or, or many guys out there, there was a lot of confusion when I got into recovery, because just as much as this was a recovery from addiction, it was also a recovery of well, what the what the hell is like normal sexuality? <laughs> because yeah. I'd never really experienced that, right? I mean, I I knew about it as a therapist, like clinically, like well, this is kind of what it would look like. But like, how does that feel? How does it not feel? Because I'd, again, everything about sex had just been so twisted, and and oftentimes we don't give nearly enough credit to this point, um, this idea that you know when we go through this recovery process, the idea is to get back to this healthy place. Well, if you've never been to that healthy place before, or if you've not been there in so long, you've kind of forgotten what it's like, that in of itself throws you off. The second piece of this that makes it even more complicated is, and again, I'm using myself as as uh, throwing myself in this mix. When I b- began recovery, ED was a non-issue for me, right? I was in I was in my early 20s. Um, there was no, you know, or, or mid, 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 later 20s. 
absolutely no issues with this. In fact, a point of emotional and mental pride, quote unquote, for myself was how often I could be sexually aroused and how quickly and, you know, all of those kinds of things. I was very much caught up in that whole world. And when I got into recovery, like serious recovery, fast forward, well, here I am in like my, my early to mid thirties now and things have changed. Right. And so I'm, <clears throat> I'm trying to figure out, you know, a, not only what is just, you know, quote unquote, normal in general sexuality, I'm trying to figure out what normal quote unquote sexuality is in, in general for me specifically as a 35 year old guy. Right. And so you guys can hopefully you can see why this becomes complicated strictly from just a biological perspective. And and partners, by the way, struggle with this as well because they see the same thing. And we hear this from partners all the time. Well, Steve, he used to be this. He used to be sexual all the time with me and he had no problem getting erect and da 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 da. He must be acting out now. He must be getting it somewhere else. He's, you know, constantly, you know, he says he struggles with ED and da 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 da. And, and the reality is, is that could that be an issue with sobriety and things like that? Absolutely. For sure could. And we're going to talk about that here. But also this biological component plays a role. I mean, it was an adjustment for my wife and I is, is figuring out, okay, like what's this going to look like going forward in a healthy way? You know, what's going to be our new normal? So anyway, that that just needs to be mentioned because um, that that is a problem. Under, other underlying medical issues can cause problems with that. Any men on here, if you're if you're taking, for example, a blood pressure medication, well, do the math for a second. If you're taking a blood pressure medication, which is designed to what? Reduce blood pressure and an erection requires blood pressure, <laughs> right? We're naturally going to be, you might be running into an issue there. So that's just one example of where, you know, the whole biological side needs to be taken into account because otherwise we I've known too many couples who go to war and become re-traumatized when there really is nothing going on. Okay. So we just want to get that part out of the way. And there's first. lots of other medications. It could be sure. medications I'm taking from my anxiety or my depression or absolutely of things can have to absolutely have that effect. Your testosterone impact be really low, which totally. you, should, you should have it tested. Totally. The other side of this are, are the mental health or emotional health issues, which are very much tied to the phys physical part of this. And Steve, you brought up something before we started today that I thought was just so insightful. We have a cult, we have a sexualized culture across much of the world that says men, men are not emotionally connected during sex. They're just in, they're just having sex for sex. And they can have sex anywhere, anytime, yep. with anyone on command. Yep. Doesn't matter, right? They're just like <laughs> machines. And Steve and I have both found that to be not true in the sense that men are far more emotionally involved with sex than, than they want to admit or that they're given credit for. At least they can be, right? They, have they the can be. And, 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 you know, even if a guy is not, is, is completely emotionally detached from, you know, from his sexual his sexual um, interactions, I'll bet you that unconsciously or subconsciously, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Oh, we totally agree with that. Surface for him. So yeah. whether he realizes it or not, some would say, well, he's a total narcissist and he feels nothing. Well, mm -hmm. that's on, that's up above the surface, but all, you go into his subconscious or unconscious self, his nervous system. And I guarantee you that there are lots of emotions having their impact, whether he knows it or not. Absolutely. So we we have to be careful not to make that mistake that, you know, well, guys just aren't emotionally engaged or involved. Yeah, possibly not consciously, but it's inside that body. Make no mistake. Mm -hmm. They can't Absolutely. get away. And that's going to have an impact on, you know, on this ED issue with, without, without question. And here's the thing, 
you know, we, as Steve and I were talking about this, we, we kind of looked at each other like, well, good grief. So why did we go to our sexual outlets during our addiction days, you know, pornography or other outlets? Well, we were trying to avoid emotionally hard things, right? We just wanted to get away from all of that emotional stuff. And so we would use our sexual outlets as a way to escape or avoid. Now in recovery, with this guy that wrote into us, we're being asked to come back into all of that emotional stuff, so to speak. Mm. We're now being asked to engage our emotions, to show our emotions, to feel our emotions, to get them out on the table. Well, we have a biology and, and, a, and a sexual template inside of us that always used sex to get away from all that. Mm-hmm. Now we're supposed to be engaging with it and bringing it into the sexual process. What do you think is going to happen? with the way the biology responds when I'm running towards something that I use sex to run away from before. That's yeah. huge. Well, and I think it, I, mean, I think it's huge from two main points, right? They're, the first is, and, and I love that we're talking about this is that, you know, I, I've joked before with my wife and this is going to sound horribly sexist. This is just a comment about myself, but I, for a while there, I felt like I kind of became the girl in the relationship from a cultural <laughs> yes, that's standpoint. Often right? said, yes, yes. Me- meaning that meaning that I I I mean, there were many times where I found myself, if my wife and I, as I started getting recovery, when we weren't in a good place emotionally, where previously that would have had very little impact on on being sexual, or at least much less, it would have a tremendous impact. In mm-hmm. fact, it got to the point in recovery where I really just didn't have a desire to be sexual when we were disconnected. Right. Um, for, for a variety of reasons. And sometimes it was an issue between my wife and I. And by the way, this is still the case. Sometimes it might be an issue be, between us, but a whole host of emotions get in the way of me wanting to be sexual. If I just put myself on the chopping block, right? Shame, for example. If I'm in a shame-based place, I don't want to engage sexually. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel deserving. I don't feel, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm in a confident place. Um, you know, guilt. Uh, remorse, sadness, these are all emotions that impact, you know, my sexuality and, and men's sexuality far more than, again, culture would give credit to. And and the more we go through recovery, the more that this is the case. Um, and that's, and, and again, that's a good thing to become more connected that way is it is a tremendous positive. But if you've been in a marriage and you've grown up in a culture where that hasn't been the case for both the addict and the partner, guess how that feels? really, really unsettling, really destabilizing, right? And again, not just for the addict. My wife, we've had to talk about this on more than one occasion where she has struggled at times to feel desired. Like, am I not like attractive anymore? Or, you know, like what's going on? Because Mm. because again, those things have all shifted, right? They've all changed. So you can see just with what we've talked about so far between the biological and just this emotional side, guys, this is such a bigger topic than most of us give credit for, right? So too often we just look at this way too too much in a linear fashion. You used well, to be sexual before, now you're not now. Something must be broken. Yeah, and if you're looking at this, Rob, what we hope you're hearing from us is if you're really engaged in recovery, if you're really starting to confront hard things that you used to run away from or you know, go go numb or 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 rage and anger at, and you're starting to confront and embrace and and stand up to all of those things. Just expect that that's going to have an impact on on the way you the way your body responds sexually. So if you're having mm-hmm. trouble with ED or 
being comfortable or things not really going smoothly in that sexual setting, part of that says, it could well say you're actually doing a lot of things right. Yes. This is going to take time to recalibrate and time for you to get used to this quote, new emotional, emotionally, you know, spiritually, uh, physically total, totally engaged with all of those things. Whereas before it was just a pure physical sex act. Yes. That is going to take time for your, for your body and your brain to, to calibrate to, and there's going to be issues. Yes. Well, an extreme version of this, I mean, the clinical term for it would be sexual anorexia, right? Where we get to a point where we are not, um, we find ourselves very averse to sex. And I, Mark and I have talked about this topic many times. I mean, I, we both got to a point where emotionally and mentally in our brain, sex was the enemy, right? Sex is ruining me. It's ruining my marriage. It's ruining my happiness. It's ruining everything. Just chop this thing off, pardon, pardon the bluntness. And get rid of it because I don't want to deal with this anymore, right? I, I'd rather not have this be a part of my life. And that's a very real issue, right? For a lot of guys, it's a whole topic for another time, but yeah. um, the psychology and things behind it. But it, again, something to keep in mind. And then we probably should move into this, you know, I know we're running out of time here. We, we ought to move into this arousal template uh, concept. And uh, the desensitizing, resensitizing. We haven't covered that yet, have we? No, no. Okay. And that, that part is huge, right? I mean, think yes. about this, guys. If I look at my addiction history, I started into sexual addiction as soon as I hit puberty. I think I was around 13. And so I, I started experiencing sexual process from the standpoint of pornography and other sexual outlets from the, the age of 13 forward, all the way into my, into my 40s my late 40s, what do you think happened to what we call my arousal template, right? Which simply means what am I wired to with regard to what turns me on, arouses me, gives me sexual satisfaction? Look at what my wiring was over 30 plus years. Now, suddenly I get into recovery and I'm now going to try to step out of that sexual wiring and into a healthy sexual relationship with my partner guess what? I don't have the wiring for that yet. Mm. It's not there. It's that old wiring. So my biology is going to look at me and go, uh, excuse me, I'm not getting get an erection for this. That's not how we've done it this last 30 plus years. What are you trying to do here, buddy? Absolutely. Right? It's, it's, it's biologically confusing to, to our system. So that, that arousal template wiring and, and, and <clears throat> wiring it in a healthy way is a huge process that takes time and practice and repetition, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And guys, this, uh, this, this topic is a great one. We're glad that it came up. You know, it's, it's really timely right now in the Dare to Connect program. The focus for this month, and we may be bleeding into next month with it because it's such a huge topic, is healthy versus toxic sexuality. Oh, yeah. We've been focusing on that all month. <clears throat> yep. We've been going through this. We've just we've covered in depth the elements of toxic sexuality, what that looks like, causes for it, things to be on the lookout for. Now we're jumping into how to shift that, how what what healthy sexuality looks like, how to how to bring that about. Um, if if you guys have not tried the Dare to Connect program, you need to. Um, it is a program that offers nearly 25 hours of content every month for addicts, spouses, and couples, uh, both uh, live in support session form as well as with weekly sessions on presentations on, on a variety of topics. You're able to interact, ask us questions, get answers to the hard things. Um, 
I don't know anywhere else on planet Earth where for the cost of two therapy sessions, you can have access to two therapists for 25 hours a week. Um, if you find one, let us know and maybe we'll go join that. Or 25, <laughs> yeah, 25 hours a month. Sorry. If you find one, let us know. We'll quit Dare to Connect. We'll shut it down and we'll go join that. Um, we try to bring, you know, we're here for you. Dare to Connect and meet you wherever you're at in the recovery process. If you are serious about this process, if you're wanting to get serious about this process, if you're transitioning out of therapy but don't know where to go, if you're doing good therapy but are looking to supplement it and financially you want to make it feasible, if you're brand new to this process, don't know what the crap you're doing, Dare to Connect is your answer. So please get yourself over there. You can find a free trial for that at daretoconnectnow.com. We'd love to have you guys come join us, see what see what all the buzz is about, and uh, get you hooked up there. Uh, we have a yeah. great time over there. So, so uh, yeah, as we finish, yeah, up, you know, we want what we want to do um, to get healthy in this whole process is we want to start to pair emotional connection with sexual connection. Yep. And again, us guys that suffer from addiction, that was just not part of the process. So we, we want to, we used to use sex to escape, right? It was the, the gate, the great escape, the, the coping, the avoidance, right? Every time life got hard, we would run to these outlets. Now what we're suggesting in recovery is we want to actually incorporate sex into our overall connection as a partnership, right? I love what you said, Steve, anyone can have sex, but being intimate is a practiced skill set. Yeah. Right? We can be sec we can have sex and not be intimate. Boy, how many times have we experienced that in our lives? Teenagers do it every day in the back of a car. Right. <laughs> and and us grown-ups in addiction. And us grown-ups as well, all, right? All the time. <laughs> right? So it's this how how can I now make this sexual part of my life part of the overall whole of 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 being healthy? right? Sex is a piece of the intimacy puzzle. It's a part of coming together and connecting. I like to, to say it's, it's the culmination or the celebration of all the other ways that we're getting close. And we bring, we bring all of that that we've built to that sexual setting. And that's part of this, you know, rewiring so that we can come out of these struggles with ED and, you know, other dysfunctional parts of sexuality, right? They all come over time with practice and patience and self-compassion and coupleship compassion, you know, we just, we, we, we help each other move through this process and just know that it's, it, it is really, really challenging. It just is. Absolutely. Well, guys have a great rest of your week. It's been great to be with you for this brief amount. Oh, we of time. wanted to give an assignment. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll we do. do that. Yeah. We we'll do. do that real quick. So the assignment this week is actually quite simple. It's not as complex as some others that we give. Whichever partner is listening to this right now, have your other partner listen to this with you and sit down and start having an open and honest dialogue about where are we at sexually, what's working and what's not. Yeah. Right. Listen to um, this podcast together as a coupleship if you're having issues and then use this as the, as the door opener to start into a dialogue with each other. Absolutely. And if you already have that dialogue going, take it to the next level, right? Level it up wherever you're at. Uh, I have never in my entire career come across a couple where I'm like, wow, you guys talk about sex way too much and way too vulnerably. If you, if you keep talking about this, it's going to ruin your marriage. Okay. Never, <laughs> never once said that to a couple, never plan on saying that ever. Um, that would be a great thing to do. So anyway, if you guys ever want questions answered on the podcast, as always, you can send us those over to us and we will get you a brief response 
at pbscpodcast.com down at the bottom of the contact form. And again, please do come and join us for uh, for some serious change, some serious growth, some serious recovery at daretoconnectnow.com. We'd, we'd love to have you over. Come grab your two-week trial. And uh, guys, have a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you next time. Yep. See you then. Bye-bye. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.